Hey, welcome to the Straight Sports Podcast. We're your hosts, Tushar and Joshua. The GOAT is back. <laughs> In this podcast, we give our opinions on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. I just want to say before we start, Josh, Happy New Year. It's good to have you back. Yes, you me. Excited to get you back. You know, on. I know you missed our last episode, but before we start, I just wanted to say, is there anything you want to mention maybe about the Christmas games or any of your thoughts or reactions about it? I think you pretty much covered it. You know, you like to go in depth with like stats and stuff. So I think you did a pretty good job there. But I just want to say a quick thing. It's it's going to be back and hope you guys enjoy this episode. I've been looking forward nice. to this. We got to be here. Recording the episode without you. You know, I missed you, bro. It was, uh, it was a little yeah. different. I'm happy to have you back. And let's get it started. Topic number one. Topic one, WWE and AEW. So what are your thoughts on AEW Rampage on December 31st? So yeah, AEW Rampage on December 31st, 2021. The good part of it, um, Darby versus Anthony Bowens. I hope I said his name right. I think it was just a good overall match, you know, on Rampage. You know, what AEW always tends to do is bring young talent in and let them shine. You look at WWE, they try to bring big name attractions where AEW, they go with their young stars. They believe in their product and they don't, you know, change anything for ratings or nothing like that. I've noticed that. So that's really cool. Um, the match was great. Um, it was just a fun match to watch, I think. It was a good a New Year's Eve matchup. Uh, the next one is Ford and Bunny versus Ty Kati. I hope I said his name right. And Anna Jay. What a match. I mean, this was a really brutal match. As we saw blood on the opponent's faces. It went, it was a really brutal match. I think it was a great wow. match. We got to see four incredible women's go out there and battle and, and show to them why they're legit when it comes to wrestling. You know, men's and women's are equal. So it was just great to see that match. So just fun matches just to watch. The thing that I thought was bad was Ethan Page versus Cody Rose TNT Championship. So on the last week episode, you know, I talked about Cody Rose when he beat Sammy. I didn't really agree with the move because I said, you know, he's already won multiple championships. He's already considered a big star, even though the fans might not think that. And he gets to fight Ethan Page, which I did like because you get a young star. Ethan Page gets an opportunity to compete. Um, so it's good to see new talent. That's the one thing I enjoy. But what is the purpose of Cody Rose having the championship? Because people are going to continue, you know, to to boo him. And I honestly think they should turn him heel. The match was great. I just think putting the title on him, I, I still don't agree with. You know, I think it's somebody like Sam you give it to or you turn him heel. Because if you turn him heel, you know, like I was saying before uh, in the previous episode, like, Roman Reigns, when he was a babyface, uh, the fans didn't believe in it. He turned heel. He's the biggest star in the industry. I feel mm -hmm. like Cody Rose could do something like that because he's an incredible wrestler. I mean, I saw a match, I think, I think it was with Andrade, and the, the table was on fire, and they both put their bodies on the line. So he's an incredible wrestler. There's no question about it. But I do think the company should consider a heel turn. Okay. So on SmackDown on December 31st, 2021, kicked off with Pat McAfee and Michael Cole with the top 10 moments in the WWE in the year 2021. So 10, RK-Bro defeats AJ Styles and Omos to win Raw Tag Team titles in SummerSlam 2021. 9, Kevin Owen defeats Sami Zayn with Logan Paul in WrestleMania 37. 8, WWE Champion Bobby Lashley defeats Goldberg in SummerSlam 2021. 7, Triple Threat Match Charlotte Flair defeats Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley to win the Raw Women's Championship in SummerSlam 2021. Six, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest defeat The Miz and John Morrison at WrestleMania. Five, Hell in a Cell, Edge defeats Seth Rollins for the crown jewel. Four, Bianca Blair defeats Sasha Banks to win SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania 37. Three, 
Becky Lynch defeats Bianca Blair to win the SmackDown Women's Championship at SummerSlam 2021. Two, Big E defeats Bobby Lashley to win the WWE Championship Monday Night Raw. And one, Brock Lesnar returns at SummerSlam 2021. Do you agree with these top 10 moments? And if not, what is your top 10? They didn't make a bad list. The things they have on the list, they're good points, but I you know, respectfully disagree on the list. I'm going to tell you what I think my top 10 is. So number one, I have John Cena when he returned to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Roman Reigns just came out and just defeated Edge, and he comes on the mic. He says, now the whole world will acknowledge me. And then John Cena comes out. I think that was incredible because I think it was in 2011 when John Cena was facing CM Punk. He got booed out the stadium. Ten years later, he got cheered as like, we missed him so much. And like he came back, and I felt like that was such a great moment. And then we get to see John Cena and Roman, you know. There was a second time they faced, which was in SummerSlam. I just thought it was a, it was to me the the moment of 2021. The biggest star in the industry comes back. Yeah. Um, especially with his like his schedule with Hollywood, and and, and he's a movie star, so it was cool. I, and I didn't even know he was coming. A lot of times there's rumors. There was rumors that he was gonna come back for SummerSlam, but I didn't know he was coming back in the Money in the Bank. It was just so great setup. Number two, I had Brock Lesnar uh, that returned to SummerSlam because, I mean, then right after the Roman Reigns beats John Cena, he's standing over John Cena and the Beast music comes. I'm like, my goodness, it could even get better than that. And then Paul Heyman, who has kind of a connection with Brock, he's kind of shook. So that was also a cool moment. Number three, Sasha Banks and Bianca Blair, who they main evented uh, WrestleMania 37. I mean. First two women's to main event, you know, a single match for women's first two black women's to do it. It's a special thing, special moment. And Bianca winning, it was just a very special match. You could see their emotions, you know, when the match started because it was like a dream. It's something that everybody wanted that to be main event, you know, day one. And uh, it was just a great thing. Uh, number four, Becky Lynch returns to SummerSlam. I mean, the way she won it, you know, she turned heel. And like, I, you know, I think I told you before, Joshua, I'm not a fan of the heel turn. But, yeah. you know... Her and Seth Rollins had a child, you know, and comes back and really shows that, like, you know, I might have a kid. And, you know, after even a certain amount of time, comes back in elite shape and then wins the championship. Like, the story was written really good. And it's also a real thing, like, you know, showing, like, you know, you know, moms can do it all. So it was just a great thing. And yeah. her coming back, I mean, it was just beautiful. I didn't like the way she won, but I was happy to see her back. Number five, the Edge and Rollins feud. I mean, that was just, I think, to to be honest, I know we haven't gone, but like to me, like the top storyline or like the best match was Edge and Rollins. They put up a trilogy, three matches. Mm -hmm. First at SummerSlam, Edge brings out like the dark side of him and wins that match. Then in MSG, Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena, Seth mm -hmm. Rollins, great storytelling. He wins the match. Then finally at Crown Jewel, the final match and 30 minutes. What a match. And what it shows me is that even though like Edge is considered, you know, he's in the high 40s of his age, age has no number because Edge has been phenomenal since he's returned. So it was like other superstars like Bobby Lashley, even though like they're like in the prime of their career. That's what it looks like. But that was just a, the best feud I've seen in 2021. Number six, I have Edge winning the Royal Rumble in 2021. I think even though like this was not in person, it was like the Thunderdome and fans were virtual. I still think it was a good moment because Edge was coming off. He got injured when he faced Randy Orton at Backlash. You know, he comes back and he's like, I'm, I'm entering the Royal Rumble at number one. And he wins the whole Rumble, which was so cool to see him get his moment. And he gets the main event WrestleMania, which was really cool. Number seven, Bianca Blair winning the Royal Rumble 2021. I think that when she won that match, it was her rise to stardom because then she goes on to main event WrestleMania on day one. 
defeats Sasha Banks and becomes a SmackDown Women's Championship. And it's her, like I was saying, the, her rise of becoming a top star in the industry. Number eight, Biggie winning the WWE Championship. It's a long time coming for him. He's paid his due in, in, in this business. Um, and he defeats Bobby Lashley. It was just a great moment for him. He, he deserved it. I mean, I think a lot of people have even hear things like that backstage. I mean, he's the kind of guy to deserve. He's a hardworking individual and he just always does great things. Number nine, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus Miz and John Morrison at WrestleMania 37. I mean, we got to see one of the hottest, you know, celebrities, Bad Bunny. And you can see how he showed to a lot of people because a lot of times WWE does have celebrities who come in and, you know, and they do a little fighting. But what he showed is like he put the standard really high for celebrities. I mean, my goodness, what a match he put up, Bad Bunny. He really showed like he put in the work and really trained to to put those kind of performance. It was just a great thing to watch. The last one, RK Bro winning the tag team champions at you know SummerSlam 2021 against AJ Styles and Omos. RK Bro was to me my favorite tag teams of 2021 because it's two individuals who's like on screen. They don't mesh at all. It's like one person's the opposite, and the other person opposite, and they had just had great chemistry. And the tag team is fun. Like I think even they're like one of the top merch sellers for the company. So mm. people really love this tag team, and I'm a big fan of it. So yeah, that's my top ten. Okay. So what are your day one thoughts and what would you rate it? What a pay-per-view on New Year's Day. I'll start off with the first uh, Cesaro and Ricochet versus Ridge Holland and Sheamus. I gave it a four out of 10 because honestly, the match was good, but Ridge Holland's did ended up getting injured. So he had to leave the match and they continued the match, you know, two on one Sheamus versus Cesaro and Ricochet and Sheamus defeated Cesaro, hit the bro kick. I just didn't like, I mean, I feel like Cesaro's like role now he was to me could be like a lot of people believe he could be a wwe champion and like the way he's being treated is kind of like a jobber in the sense where just people are pinning him and i just don't like the way that he's being treated to me he could be a top star and i feel that like the company should give him a chance instead of just keep piling him losses and losses and it was just sad to see that um but in general i would just give it a four out of ten the next match the usos versus the new days i mean 9.5 out of 10 i know we've seen this match a lot of times the uso and new days are one of the two best tag teams in the WWE right now, and they always still, even though we've seen it so many times, they always still put up a good match. It was almost to me, I, I know I could have just gave a 10 out of 10, but I just went a little more stricter on it and just said 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> Maybe because it was like the, you know, the same teams uh, competing, but great match. I mean, that was just a great match to watch. And the Usos did win that. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Mad Cop Moss. I gave it a 3 out of 10. I mean, Mad Cop Moss did show his skills, uh, but I don't know. It felt like just a match that was kind of pointless. I don't know. Maybe if I'm a little too harsh, so sorry about that. But it just it just felt like a match that was pointless. It was still, you know, fun to watch. But I don't know. Just the story didn't click, you know. So, yeah, 3 out of 10. The next one, RK Bro versus the Street Profits. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was a great match. I mean, it was cool to see RK Bro because RK Bro has faced AJ Styles on Omos. And, and now that that is done, they got to face Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler now facing the Street Profits, something new, something we haven't seen before, you know, like them competing as a tag team against each other. It was a really fun tag team. The Street Profits also, to me, are one of the best tag teams in WWE. They're really good. They have good chemistry. And same thing with RK Bro, great match. And, you know, Riddle, you know, throws up and then they hit the RKO and then there's the pin and then match is over. Cool match. Next one, Edge versus Miz. Nine out of 10, I gave it. I think it was a great match. We saw Miz hitting the skull crushing finale. Edge did kick out and then the Glamazon. Beth Phoenix came back, returned, what crazy. And I was like so hype. And then Edge hits the spear and they win. And then Beth Phoenix is there and it's like a tease of, you know, them having that mixed tag team match. Uh, Becky Lynch versus 
uh, Liv Morgan. I gave it an eight point five out of ten. I do think what Liv Morgan proved is that she can be a top star in this industry. She could be like a huge baby face that the WWE should consider. Um, I was upset that she lost. The reason I gave eight point five out of ten, it definitely felt like at the end that they wanted Becky Lynch to cheat and put her legs on the rope. But mm. it seems like she missed it a little. She tried to put in. She couldn't. Like, I think she was a little too far from the rope. So that's um, the only thing. It seems like they were a little miscommunicated or a small error on their end. But it was still a great match. I did want Liv Morgan to win. I was watching the match. I'm like, come on, Liv. So close. And I'm like, oh, the company is just not going to give it to her. I got a little bit sad. But great match. Anyways, I do hope, you know, you know, with, you know, the Royal Rumble coming up soon, you know, I will make my official predictions later about who I think will win the 30 men and the 30 women's, but I feel like Liv Morgan could be a candidate to win it. Then the last match on Big E versus Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. I mean, this wasn't supposed to be the main event. It was supposed to be Brock versus Roman. Um, unfortunately, Roman did a test positive for coronavirus, um, but now he's cleared now, which is good, but it wasn't supposed to happen like this, but putting a fatal fiver like this with Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar winning, it was sad, you know, to see Big E lose it, but Brock Lesnar just can't lose. He's just that mega star. And we got to see a little between Bobby and Brock, which people have been dreaming to see them compete. It's like a dream match. Overall, I would give the pay-per-view 8 out of 10. I think it was a great pay-per-view. There were some matches I just felt like weren't really that well. I wouldn't really say two. The rest were really good. The only ones I really had a problem with was Cesaro and Ricochet versus Ridge Holland and Sheamus. It was more with the ending. I think the talent is there. And then um, Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss. It just felt like a pointless match. But these are great wrestlers. No knock on them. So next topic. Got a quarter that says, The original plan to build for WrestleMania, whatever it was, changed greatly when Lesnar pinned Big E to win the WWE title to end Saturday's show, said Meltzer. The original scripted plan for the show was for Big E to lose the championship, but to Seth Rollins, who had tested positive for COVID-19 last week. And the champion instead lost his title to Lesnar as the result of another positive test. So what's your reaction to this? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate Big E's title reign? So my reaction to this, um, Brock wouldn't have been in the match if Roman wasn't positive. I wish we got to see Roman Brock. You definitely don't want any individual to test positive for this deadly virus, you know, is going around with the new Omicron variant. Um, but when I heard that, I was shocked to hear that Seth Rollins was going to win. I mean, I'm not really mad with that decision because I believe Seth Rollins does deserve a title. He's having a great run. I think very underrated run. I consider him like a, a top star in the company. I mean, he's he's really good at what he does. Um, so Seth Rollins winning it, I wouldn't be completely mad at. And But, you know, because of the fact that Lesnar had to be put in the match, it makes sense that he won it. But it really shifted everything because Lesnar has a feud with Reigns and they want to build it for WrestleMania 38. Now he has the title, which was on Raw. And it's also SmackDown. Now it's a tease that they might have a unified championship match. A lot of people are like, okay, that's that's a good idea. But I've been hearing like the brand split. People are saying it's not the best idea, you know, having Raw and SmackDown separate. But I still feel like it is a good idea because like when we have two major championships for Raw and SmackDown, you know, let's say we only had one. Let's say it's just Roman who has both of the titles. Now we see Roman versus this superstar, this superstar, just one. But we have two titles. Now we get to see like Big E. Let's say Big E has it. It's Big E versus, um, you know, Austin Theory, like we get to see more talent compete. So I don't like the idea of the unification. It definitely threw everything off. It was a little different, but um, it definitely is, you know, a little sad to see Big E lose the title. I think he had, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say he had a 7 out of 10 because at the end of the day, when he mm. did win the championship against Bobby Lashley, I mean, he had, still had some great matches. He defeated Bobby Lashley multiple times. He also had, you know, it was one on Monday Night Raw, a steel cage match. It was a really good match. In Crown Jewel, he faced Drew McIntyre, really great match. Drew McIntyre hit a Claymore. I don't think anybody ever kicked out of Claymore, and Biggie did. And then Biggie had to hit two big endings, and he won the match. 
and they had a feud with Roman for Survivor Series, even though no title was on the line. It was still, you know, him versus Roman. Roman was considered the best of the company, and he showed he's a top star in the company with, with that match. And they also faced Austin yeah. Theory for the title. You could say the best reign. I wouldn't say, I mean, you could say definitely the company might have messed up a little bit, but I do think he'll get more reigns and won't really hurt him as much because he got pinned by Brock Lesnar. You know, he is the beast. He is the carnage. You know, he's the conqueror. He, he's, he does it all. But one thing real quick, you know, Brock Lesnar pinning Biggie, I thought maybe that could have been a mistake because, like, why should Biggie get pinned? They could have maybe get Kevin Owens pinned or somebody else. So that's the only thing. But in general, I think. Seth Rollins winning it, I would have been happy with that. Um, and uh, Brock winning it, definitely everything changed with the with the positive test. But if you're going to put Brock in the match, it kind of does make sense for him to win it. So what are your thoughts on January 3rd, Raw? You know you know how, Josh, I used to tell you um, SmackDown is the A show and uh, Raw is the B show? Yeah. It's a complete opposite switch now. SmackDown <laughs> has lost all their top stars, and it's like Raw has it now because now Roman is there. Roman who's um, now he's cleared um, Drew McIntyre the rumor he is hurt he has an injury so he might miss a lot of time he's a top star he's on Smackdown mm-hmm. he's gone I heard Sasha Bank has ankle injury but I heard it she's fine she, she said that on Twitter so it's good to hear that but it's like a lot of the stars have shifted like you see Raw they have Edge Seth Rollins Finn Balor uh, Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. now who, well, he goes to both because he's considered a free agent but like mm-hmm. it's all over like Raw has been the A-show I mean it was such a it was a really good show I mean my first good moment for Raw, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar came back together. You see, it starts the show, and then Paul Heyman is just in the ring. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, my name is, and he does his own introductions, brings out Brock, and Brock tells him, thanks to my advocate for doing everything for me, you know, getting, be, making me become a free agent, uh, helping me get into this match and all that. And then what he said, I'm going to say this, but I'm quoting Paul Heyman because he went pretty savage on this. And this makes the storyline better, but I don't know. I think, uh, Josh, you tell me if this is if he crossed the line. All right. This is what he said, because now Roman and Paul Heyman have been broken up. So he said, one week without me as the special counsel, Roman Reigns already has COVID. You got to get over the Rona, but karma can be really beep. Damn. Like, that is so, because like this happened in real life. He tested positive for COVID, and they used it in the storyline, which is kind of like. crazy. (laughs) Paul Heyman has been the guy. He's done this times before. Like, he would say something so savage on the mic, and he probably shouldn't have said that. It's like, like, yo, you passed the line, bro. But damn, like, I heard that. I was like, no way he did not say that. But that's what Paul Heyman does. He's built on this. Mm. Like, he does something different. It's like, oh, I don't know if he should have said that, bro. But it even made the storyline a lot better. Of course, like I said, Paul Heyman, this is on screen. Nobody wants Roman to have COVID. Of course not. But my goodness, what a what a line. Like <laughs> yeah, that's, that was that's a little overboard, line, right? Yeah. You went overboard <laughs> with that. But yeah, it was a great segment between Paul and Brock. It was just nice to see their reunion again. Another favorite moment, uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix and the Miz and Maurice. They had a little segment. We get to see now Edge and Beth Phoenix. Now it's been official at the Royal Rumble versus Miz and Maurice. A dream matchup. Edge and Beth Phoenix, who are husband and wife, never, you know, when Edge retired he never had an opportunity to work with beth phoenix on screen so this is great to see both of them work together on screen against miz and maurice i think this would be great it's called the grit couple versus the it couple this is going to be a great match i'm excited for that another good moment is the fatal four-way match so what happened you know on day one it became a fatal five-way because brock was added due to the positive test of roman reigns now the main event was that initial fatal four-way that was supposed to happen in day one, and they made it happen on Monday Night Raw. We got to yeah. see Bobby, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. Uh, actually, now they changed it to Seth freaking Rollins and uh, Big E. 
and we get to see this match. And basically, the winner will face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. And everybody wants this match, Bobby versus Brock. The company has finally gave it to us. Bobby won, and he won in dominant fashion. He speared everybody. First Big E, then Rollins, then Owens. He wins the match. We get finally Bobby versus Brock. Bobby, Bobby Lashley came back to the WWE. One of his biggest reasons because he wanted this matchup with Brock. And the company kept doing Roman versus Brock, Roman versus Brock. But now they've given the people what they want. I saw this even on Instagram. A fan said, see, WWE, if you give us what we want, we, we watch. And that's like, that's so facts. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, a monster versus Bobby Lashley. You see the specimen this man is. He's a monster. He's physically built. Like, this is a dream match. We've been wanting this for like, I've been wanting this for many years. And we finally got it. This is the first time ever they would compete against each other. Super excited for the Royal Rumble. I'm just excited. You know, honestly... I know it's rumored that Brock and Roman are going to do WrestleMania 30. Honestly, this is what I think should happen. But I don't know if the company will do this. But I wish this would happen. Brock and Bobby will compete on Royal Rumble and WrestleMania 38. They main event it. And Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins compete for and WrestleMania because they have a great storyline. That's what I wish would happen. But I think it won't happen, though. The bad part, uh, the part that I didn't like, uh, the tag team women's championship was Zelina Vega and Carmella versus Nikki, ASH, and Rhea Ripley. I mean, it's because, like... I feel like they made, and this is no knock on um, any of the superstars because they're doing an incredible job. It's just people in the, like, who is building these storylines and the match time they give. I mean, this was like a short match. And it feels like they made the tag team women's championship a joke now. It's like they don't even care about it. And it's, it's so sad because there's so many talented women out there. They deserve their shine. And, like, you know, now that when Sasha Banks and Bailey had that title, that's the last time that title was being used in a good way. And now it's like it just feels like a jobber championship. And I feel like that's disrespectful. I don't think that should be done. So I was very upset with that match. I think they they definitely need to make the tag team champion feel more relevant. I mean, there's so many incredible talent women in the WWE. It's so sad to see that. Uh, another bad match, Omos versus AJ Styles. I mean, Omos was supposed to win. And squash AJ Styles because they want to make him a big star. But, you know, AJ Styles is a big star. So, like, squashing, like, making him lose in that fashion is kind of it's kind of a little shaky. But it makes sense to give Omos the win because AJ Styles is still a star. But I'm happy that they're broken up now. Like, you know, in the sense, you know, like like they were attacking before and they're not. Because it's just great to see both of them individually. Because we know AJ, we got a lot of dream matches we want to see with AJ Styles and Omos. We want to see they're better off separately, as I was, you know, stating mm-hmm. earlier. In previous episodes. Then the last bad thing about Raw, Reggie and Dana versus Tamina and uh, I hope I say his name right, Akura Tazawa. I mean, this is, again, the 24-7 championship, which I feel is also being used as a goofy championship. It's kind of entertaining, but, like, it could be used better. I feel like this this title, like I was saying, I feel like it should be removed in some sense. Like, using Tamina. Tamina is considered one of the, like, top women in this industry. She gave so much to this business. And, like, the way that she's being treated for a championship like this, it's just disrespectful the way legends are treated it's just, it just sad to see things like this but overall i would give raw like a, i think it was an eight out of ten it's a great show okay what are your thoughts on aw dynamite on january 5th yeah so aw dynamite on january 5th uh 2021 um it was on a tbs first time i'll start off with the bad um wait actually um i don't have any bad actually i'll go with the good then uh so for the good i have adam page versus brian danielson um I mean, how great of a match that was. I mean, the main event, we got to see Brian Danielson and, and Adam Page go at it. And it was a physical match. I mean, they both were bleeding like crazy. I thought Brian Danielson was going to win, but it was great to see. Thriller match makes sense. The Adam Page wins. He is the top star of the industry. Want to continue to build that young talent. Great match. Phenomenal match. I mean, one of the best matches I've seen. 
for sure. The next match was Ruby Soul versus Jade Cargill. I hope I said her name right. Um, I mean, it was for the TBS Women's Championship. Whoever won is the first ever Women's TBS Championship. Jade Cargill did win. Great match. Got to see two incredibly talented women. Jade Cargill wins. Now the new championship belt has started the TBS Championship. Super excited about that. Uh, another good moment, the AEW Tag Team Champions. We have the Lucha Bros versus the Jurassic Express. Just a great match. We saw Jurassic Express become the new AEW Tag Team Champions. When I think of AEW, like the top tag teams, I think about the Lucha Bros, the Jurassic Express. I also think about the Young Bucks. I mean, these are incredible tag teams. They know how to wrestle as a tag team. They have great chemistry and just fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, AEW, I think 9 out of 10 that show. It was a great show uh, for Dynamite. Moving on to topic two, on January 5th, 2021, Kyrie made his season debut with the Nets as the Nets were facing the Pacers. The Nets were trailing as much as 19 points that the Nets rallied back and won the game 129 to 121. Kyrie scored 22 points, three rebounds, four assists. Ten of those points, Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter, and KD scored 39 points, seven assists, eight rebounds. What are your reactions to this, Joshua? What's your thoughts about, you know, Kyrie's return and all that? Honestly, amazing game to watch. You know, good to see, you know, Lance just has a, you know, a soft spot. Like a lot of NBA players are, he's just, you know, entertaining player. You're not just see him had he had a great game, 30 points, and he just showed out. Sabonis also did well. KD, you know what he does, almost 40 points he scored. Great game. And it's just honestly great to see a player of Kyrie's skill. I have to say, the best handles I've ever seen in my life. One could argue the best in NBA history. I think I'm going to have to agree. He has a, Him and Curry are considered the best, yeah. but Kyrie is on another level. With yeah, the just a special player. His finishing is on another level. And he was kind of shaking the first half, but he did what he did and got his points and helped the team clutch the win out. So I just thought it was a great game to watch, entertaining on both sides, and just a classic NBA game. Really good to watch. Yeah, seeing Kyrie's return, I mean, it was kind of cool to watch Kyrie's return. Yeah. to the court for the first time, get to see him with his teammates. And what he showed, he was a little, I was watching the game first quarter. He seemed a little rusty. He was taking threes. It was yeah. missing. He did, got some turnovers early, but then he got his rhythm. He had the mid-range falling, the the craftiness getting inside the paint. It's like he's in midair and he's like frozen yeah. when he does the moves. Like, yeah. I'm like, yo, like, how do you do that? I'm like, if I do that, I'm probably going to fall. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> he's just special with the basketball. That's just what he is. He's a special player. If you give him the basketball, he's going to, He's just going to score in crafty ways. So it was a great yeah. game. I was shocked. Lance Stevenson, yep. <laughs> 20 points in the first quarter. I think he was the first bench player to ever do that, score 20 in the first quarter. And I'm looking at this. You know, now with the whole COVID situation, there's a lot of 10-day hardship deals. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I'm like, how was this guy out the league? Yeah, like, yeah. sign this man right now. And then he did the guitar. <laughs> and I was going, <laughs> long time I was watching the Lakers on Christmas Day when Lance yeah. was there, LeBron's first year. And mm -hmm. they were playing the Warriors. I remember him doing the dance. It was so funny. <laughs> I was laughing. Yeah, I was, sorry. I was a little off topic there, but it was nice to see that. Uh, you know, I was shocked that Indiana was up by 19. I mean, Indiana was missing a lot of key pieces as well. You know, Brogdon is not there. Karis Levert is missing. They were missing a lot of pieces. They were up 19. I was like, man, the Nets are going to lose. It's not going to look good. But the Nets rallied back. DeAndre Bembry did have a big impact because he didn't play in the first half. And then, then he got subbed in later on. And you can see how big of impact he had. I mean, he was a plus 24 on the floor. So that, that shows the yeah, impact really that good. he has. Defensively, he had 12 points, 5 for 5, 2 for 2 from the free throw line. You know, he's a great defender. And I think bringing him was a good move. And then Kyrie, you know, in the fourth quarter, KD was, I mean, it was like, I didn't even know KD even scored 39. Because like, we know KD can score, but it felt yeah. so like, because everything was really around Kyrie. And it's like, wait, yeah, I'll check yeah. like, with KD at 39. That's how good of a basketball score he is. Like, he doesn't even have to touch the basketball. He's just going to score. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, Kevin Durant, I mean, I expect 
those kind of numbers, but it just felt like a game. Like I didn't even feel like he had 39, which was crazy. Yeah. It felt like kind of like a Tim Duncan game. It's like Tim Duncan's playing and you don't even think he has that many points, yeah, but he still like destroyed Kyrie, you. Yeah, quietly putting up big numbers. He did what Kevin Durant does, drop 39. And then Kyrie Irving, this is why the Nets, even though he's a part-time player, this is why you bring him back. I yeah. mean, 10 points in the fourth quarter took it home. And now you look at James Harden, he had only 18 points. He can play like that when you have Kyrie Irving. He can be the third option. He can focus on passing. It was a really fun game to watch. Got to see Kyrie Irving. He was yeah. excited. You can see he gave a hug to his dad, gave him his jersey. He was excited to come back and just play basketball. Super excited to see him. It was just, just a great game. I mean, Indiana put up a great fight, though. Got to show some appreciation to them, even though they were missing a lot of key pieces. So bonus was special, like you said. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, just to, I guess, go over again, what's your thoughts on uh, Kyrie's performance? I think he played well, especially considering it's his first game back. He played 32 minutes as well. That was surprising. I thought Steve Nash would ease him in, but I guess just throw him in the fire, you know? I heard Steve Nash say he was going to play him like 30 minutes, but like yeah. still, like that's like impressive for him to play that many minutes. Yeah. He also scored 10 in the fourth, which is good because he was struggling early he in the game. He took them home. He was yeah, the he big reason they up. were able to win the basketball. And I was watching a play. KD was a play. Kyrie had the basketball. KD mm -hmm. literally like told James Harden just like move out the way. <laughs> like, like let Kyrie have his show. He's a showstopper. I'm going to have to agree with you. You know, Kyrie Irving, his performance was special. I think for him to be have his first game back and score 22, that was really good. I know he in the first half, he was a little rusty and that's expected. He said he played in high school gyms and college gyms and stuff like that. But it's different when you play on the NBA level with your teammates. It's very different. So 22 yeah. points, really good. And if 10 points in the fourth quarter showed his clutchness, it was a big reason they was able to close it out. Can the Nets win a title even if Kyrie is a part-time player? I think they can because the roster is just so good. If you have James Harden playing at his peak, dishing the ball out, getting those assists, KD scoring as he does, and you have Kyrie coming in even for half of the series, I feel like that's enough to close out almost any team in the NBA. Like, that's just a dangerous combo. And even with Kyrie coming in for maybe even half the games in the series, I feel like that's enough to get them over the hump. I'm going to agree with you because Kyrie's back as a part-time player. We know um, in the East, he cannot play in Madison Square Garden and also not in Toronto. But we probably both agree that the Nets should be able to beat those two teams even without Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Because Kyrie wouldn't be eligible to play any games in that series at this moment. True. Um, so when I'm looking at teams like Milwaukee, because they were on the road of potentially sweeping Milwaukee, but Kyrie got hurt and they only had two guys. So I do think they can get through the East with a part-time Kyrie because he could come on the road game three and just drop 40. And then next thing you know, they win the basketball game. So I think it's possible. Definitely. I do believe they will. You know, we both picked the Nets to come out the East, but with Kyrie as a part-time player, they definitely can come out the East. Can they win the championship? I mean, there's only one team that I look at legit, and I'm like, this is a team they might need Kyrie for all the games, and I'm looking at Golden yeah. State. Assuming, you know, everybody will be fully healthy at that time and, and stuff like that. So I'm looking at that, and that's the only little concern. I do think they can get to the finals with Kyrie as a part-time player, but I was actually hearing, I'm not too sure if you heard, I was hearing that if... Let's say the Nets and the Warriors do play in the finals. I heard yeah. that Kyrie Irving wouldn't be eligible to play any of those games. Oh, yeah, because I believe uh, California also has the same, has similar rules to New York, right? Yeah. But Kyrie is eligible to go there on the road just, you know, in the future. They have a game against the Warriors. He's eligible to go there, but yeah. he's not eligible to play in the NBA finals. So if he's not eligible to play any of the games, now that's uh, Katie and Harden still are good, but that might be tough on them because I do believe they need Kyrie to beat the Warriors. Yeah. I agree. So that would be tough. But yeah, so definitely interesting. But we both agree that they can get to the finals. They definitely still have a shot at the title. But if they're playing a team like Golden State and Kyrie's not eligible to play any games, it might be tough. Will chemistry be an issue with Kyrie Irving being in and out the rotation? I think it will because actually, I actually don't think it will because mm. I feel like 
initially I did think it was because you know one game he's starting, one game he's not starting. But I feel like the roles are pretty much be defined and say I don't know maybe Bruce Brown might start over uh, Kyrie when he's like playing in New York. So I feel like they'll know their roles and he'll know that when Kyrie comes back, well when Kyrie's available to play in that game, he knows he won't be starting. So I feel like they'll know their roles and even though it might not be like traditional in the sense, but I feel like the team will get used to it over time and eventually I feel like there won't be any issues. Right now there may be, but over time I feel like in the long term, like over the course of the season, I don't think it'll cause much problems because they're already playing with them. So they should like really have no issue with that. I think that's just my opinion. I think you made some valid points. I'm going to respectfully disagree. I don't think it will be a huge problem. I do think it's going to take some time because yeah, you're, you know, in a situation when you have um, Kyrie's back and now the next game they play, he's not there. It's it's in home. And now the roles change. James Harden has to play a little better. I mean, not better because he's always great, but like in the sense he got to be more aggressive. He got to focus on getting 30 for them to win basketball games because now they only have it. They have a two star headed monster team. Um, yeah. But when Kyrie comes now, it changes. Now James Harden could take it easy. It's like, and then the bench players, you know, Patty Mills gets maybe more shots and shoots threes more and stuff like that. But with Kyrie coming, it changes everything. Like Patty Mills probably won't get as much touches. Rotations change. He starts, somebody comes off the bench. I think it's going to take time to adjust for Steve Nash for him to be in the second season as the head coach of the Nets. This is a tough outing for him. I mean, expecting him to mesh these lineups, it's going to be tough. I do think they'll still be able to figure out because they have so much talent. Like I said, Kyrie coming back, the big reason had to be Katie. I mean, I know how the ownership said they want him back because their focus is on winning championships, but it's the same yeah. thing with LeBron James. If Katie says, I want Kyrie back, he's coming back. He's Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's, it's simple as that. I still think they're going to make it to the finals, but it's going to be tough meshing them in and out because rotations sometimes is like they have to play better. Sometimes they touch the basketball less, so it's um, it's going to take time. I do think it might take a few months. Maybe they'll get it right until the playoffs. Yeah. So on to the next topic, topic three. On January 5th, the Dallas Mavericks hosted the Golden State Warriors on Dirk's jersey retirement day. Dallas did not disappoint Dirk with a shocking win against the Warriors. Dallas won 99-82. Luke led the way with 26 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds. Curry struggled and was 5-for-24 from the field and 1-for-9 from the three-point line and ended the game with 14 points. What are your reactions to this, and are you shocked that the Mavericks won? I'm shocked that the Dallas Mavericks yeah. pulled this off. But, you know, with Dirk's retirement joys, they definitely want to have a little extra juice, get that win. Luka played uh, good enough. Curry struggled, surprising. He's Steph Curry. You know, it's been a little surprising to see him struggle like that against the Dallas Mavericks. Not considered a top defensive team. Uh, Porzingis did not even play yeah. either. But, you know, they had majority of their rotation. But, you know, it sometimes happens. The Warriors score very low at 82 points. They don't really score that low, but it happens sometimes to the best teams. So, I wouldn't, you know, be too concerned about it. It's just a game. Uh, but impressive win for Dallas for them. It's a big win for them. Maybe for them to get into the right step as they're fighting for, you know, they're in that situation. I think they're fifth right now currently, right, in the in the West. But in that position where they can, you know, some games go down and, and could be in the playing situation, they probably want to avoid that. So it's a yeah. good win for them against a really good team. And their confidence should be on a high level beating a team like that without Porzingis too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Curry had a shocker, shot horrible, which is a rare occurrence for him. But Dallas still they have to do. They just stuck to the game plan and just ground out the win. And they got it, which I'm glad they did it for Dirk, you know, that day. But speaking on Dirk, what are your thoughts on him? And in the 2000 era, do you think Dirk won the toughest championship? So my thoughts on Dirk, um, well-deserved. His jersey should be retired, you know, in Dallas. He played there for 21 seasons, the longest. I think for any player to play that long, 21 seasons, the highest. I mean, he's a legend in Dallas. Um... 
He's the greatest Dallas player ever. I know comparisons with Luka, but right now Luka's only played it for a few seasons. We can't give that to him to say that he's better than, you know, he might, you know, he could, maybe people think, but we saw what he did in 2011, that championship. But what Dirk shows to me is loyalty. Not a lot of players yeah. will stay in a team. Nikola Jokic praised him about, you know, he's like, wow, he stayed on one team and he he never gave up even when things got tough. Dallas has seen tough years, you know, with okay. Dirk, but he didn't give up. He continued to play with that team and he got them a championship. Do I think they won the toughest championship in the 2000 era? I do believe so. I'm looking at the 2000 era. I look at Kobe and Shaq winning it. That was a lead team. Um, you look at LeBron winning it in Miami. He had a super team, right? Like he had a big three. The Warriors winning a super team expected to win those matchups. So I wouldn't say they had a hard path, but for Dirk, his path was, you know, very difficult. I mean, they played Kobe yeah, and the yeah. Lakers. They the beat them. Champion Lakers. Yeah. Crazy. They also played Swept the Thunder. Yeah, they played a Thunder that year. They played with, I know Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant weren't their full self, but still played a pretty competitive team, beat them. Then they beat the big three in Miami, a team that was expected to be the heavy favorites. I believe yeah. they beat one more team. Was it Memphis? They beat the Blazers, if I remember correctly. How tough is that? You first go through Kobe, then you go through KD, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, then you go through LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. He beat so many Hall of Famers. I'm not saying he did it himself, but he was a big part. You saw his finals, what he did in the finals. I mean, I, I know there was a situation when LeBron and D Wade made fun of him being sick, and that got him sold like tight. Yeah. And and I don't think they should have done that because they they unleashed the beast. You've heard about that, right? That situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a crazy situation. Definitely, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't say I don't. It happens, you know. That's what sports are. It does that mean? I'm not saying you know LeBron and D Wade are like you know bad people. They're great individuals and stuff like that. It was just in that moment in the series, and then Dirk found out, and of course he's gonna feel some type of way. In my opinion, he won the toughest championship for sure. He had the toughest path. I don't see anybody in the 2000 era besides him that won the toughest championship. I know people might say, hey, what about LeBron? LeBron maybe won the toughest finals. The whole path, Dirk is the toughest in the 2000 era. I'd have to agree. Like, that path that he took to win it was insane. And the fact that he pulled that off is just legendary. Like, it's it's insane. Like, just to go through it, he was the third seed, beat the sixth seed Blazers, which was, I guess, expected. They had a great team, though. They defeated the defending championship Lakers. They swept them. Then you play an up-and-coming big three with three future MVPs on that roster, three extremely talented players, beat them. And then you play LeBron James, who was honestly expected to win comfortably alongside Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and you win. And LeBron would say himself that was his biggest failure, yeah. not to get that championship. That has to be, like, one of the greatest rings, an amazing path. And I know one could argue that, you know, LeBron James went against the uh, the Warriors was tougher, but I feel like this run is just yeah. Just that's special. the notion. That was just the finals. Maybe we can argue the finals because yeah. the comeback three one. This run ever is done special. Like, I've never seen this run. We probably won't see another one like this again. LeBron James when he in 2016, he first had to play Detroit. He had Kyrie and Kevin Love. Then he yeah. played, you know, he played um he played Toronto, the Toronto Raptors. He played the Atlanta Hawks. Looking at the talent on those teams, and no disrespect to the players, it's great talent. But looking at the talent Dirk had to play against, I mean, yeah, the man. Defeated so many Hall of Famers. And the legend, man, Kobe Bryant, man. Always, we always miss that guy. Yeah. Curry struggled in his last two games against Miami and Dallas. Do you think we should be concerned? Nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, I understand against, um, just to get the stats up, against Miami, he was a 3 for 17, 1 for 10 from the 3. He had 9 points, 10 assists, 3 rebounds. And that definitely... Not his best game, for sure, obviously. He struggled against Miami, but they did win because Jordan Poole was special. 
Then they lose to Dallas. He struggled again. So I wouldn't be too concerned. It is two games. It could happen. It's a shooting stunt, but he'll he'll be fine. Um, wouldn't be too concerned. So what do you think, Josh? I'm not concerned at all, to be honest. I mean, every every great shooter has their slumps. His just happened to be back-to-back in two games. I feel like he'll get over it. So moving on to topic four, uh, Manchester City currently sits at the top of the Premier League table with 10-point lead over the second-place Chelsea. Can they hold the other teams off and repeat as champions? Do you think there is any real competition for them? And how long do you think their run will continue? Honestly, I, I think we just say now they won the league. <laughs> Chelsea and Liverpool played, I think, pretty recently, and it was a draw. So they both draw points in that game. And I feel like Man City just uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the teams. Whether it's the money they spent, whether it's the manager or just the quality of the players, I feel like there's no team that's even like close. The only way that another team can win the league is if Man City slips up, they have like a bad patch of form as they did before. But I just can't see that happening again. Like I think it, I think it's over like this. Like there's no competition. And it also begs the question, like, should something be done about, you know, the amount of money that clubs can spend? Because they spent a lot of money on that team and they spend money every year to make it better and better. It's like up in the air, but I, I feel like this team, they're gonna keep on winning it. The only way they can lose is if they make a mistake. I feel like it's just that good of a team, you know? Totally. I think you definitely made some great points there. And also just to add something else, Newcastle fans are also mad a bit because they want to spend their money how Man City has done it and teams are telling them no. So, I mean, it's just like a, a parallel, you know? Like, why is it okay when Man City does it, but when another team gets that money, it's not okay? It's just interesting, and I just can't wait to see how the rest of the season develops. Is there somebody that you think is really going to win the championship for the Premier League? Is there any other names out there, or do you think it's it's going to be this team? I think Man City has it this year. Like, there's no other way that it can go, in my opinion. Like, it's just a lot for them. Like, no other team is on a level. Mm, okay. So, moving on to the next topic, topic five. The Celtics and the Knicks split their season series 1-1. On January 7th, the Knicks hosted the Celtics. The Celtics led by as much as 25 points. The Knicks rallied back to win the game by R.J. Barrett buzzer beater 108-105. Fournier led the way with 41 points, shooting 10 or 14 for, from the three-point line. It's like line. the new Steph Curry pulled up. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? The Celtics and the Knicks, three games so far this season. The first game, it went to overtime. They put up a thriller. The second game, I understand it was with COVID protocols and stuff. Kemba Walker's returned back to the rotation. Guy dropped 29. Another good game. Celtics had a little edge. This game, Celtics up as much as 25 points. Hmm. The Knicks showing their toughness rallied back. And Evan Fournier, I don't know. Should every team be named? Like, should we change the name to the Atlanta Celtics, the <laughs> Brooklyn Celtics? Like, should we change their name? Because this man is like... Like, he has multiple 30-point games, and they're all against Boston. Yeah. 30 or more points. This is a stat that I want to say, and I think you're going to be shocked to even hear this. This season, against the Celtics, three games, averaged 35 points, 6.7 three-point shots he made, uh, 55.4 field goal, and 54.1% from the three-point line. Against everybody else, look at the massive difference. (laughs) 11.7 points per game. Wow. Makes 2.3 three-pointers, 38.6% from the field goal, and 35.5% from three-point range. And this, uh, thanks to uh, Stat Muse, uh, they they released this, so I was able to use their stats there. But Boston might have really hurt his feeling because this yeah, man so. just is, every time he plays, I'm like, like, the Knicks are probably thinking, hey, like, thanks for playing good, but can can you do this every game? My goodness. 
he he could not be stopped. It's like when he plays Boston, it's like, what? I was just shocked to see Fournier do that, go like that. And also the fact that they were down 25 and they able to rally back shows a lot about the Knicks. I mean, yeah. I wish I'm just surprised with Fournier. I think if you look at the box score, I mean, Randall, you know, he struggled earlier on. He ended it with 22 points. Tatum had a good game. He had 36. Jalen Brown wasn't his best game. He only had 16 points. But I real quick, I thought, so, you know, there was a thing with uh, Julius Randle in the beginning. I think he had a bad first half and he yeah. was getting booed. Then after that, it seems like they, when they were going on that run coming back from that 25 point lead, he made a basket mm-hmm. and then he put like the thumbs down sign when he was asked about the jester, he just said, shut the beep up. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like that's kind of like disrespectful to the fans. I mean, I get that you're kind of upset that they did boo. But I just feel like, again, it's just pretty disrespectful to the fans. Like, they're just there. I don't think anything disrespectful was really said. I don't know. I wasn't at the game. I wasn't in this position. But I feel like, like, you shouldn't just take anger on the fans like they they support you when you're when you're up when you're down they're gonna call you out that's just how it is so i feel like maybe not say that in a press conference just work try to do it another way but it just wasn't the best way it came off came out kind of like rude you know totally so when i looked at it uh so this is the thing julius Randle last year he was an all-star he was playing yeah. at an mvp level would you agree i agree he got his bag he got paid his extension i think it's four years 117 million dollars the expectation you're the number one guy big markets this will always happen philly if you're not playing good, they're going to boo you. Yep. If you're playing MSG, I remember that game. I think they played Denver, and Denver blew them out. They're going to boo you. I mean, Randall, the thing is, Randall's a great player. I understand his frustration, but why would they cheer you if you play bad? That's not how fans work, especially if you're playing in the Knicks. Yeah. If you're playing in Philly, you know, if you're playing in Boston, you're playing in these, you know, these top markets, why? they're not going to cheer you. They want you to play good. They're supporting you. But when you're playing bad, I mean, Randall has been struggling this season. He has not been the same player he was last year. He's playing good now. Recently, he had a good game against uh, Detroit, and he had a good second half against the Celtics. But even I heard Charles Barkley say, he's like, yo, when I was watching TNT, he was saying, like, you know, just to paraphrase, like, you know, why, like, why do you expect, like, fans to cheer, like, bad play? And I agree with him. Like, even though, yeah, I think what Randall said was a little, comes out a little strong. I think he definitely was upset that he was getting booed. But this is what you do when you come play for the Knicks. This is a big market. If you play bad, they're going to boo you. If you're down 35 to a Denver, like they were down to Denver. I don't know if it's 35, but they were losing by a big amount. They're going to boo you. I think if I was in the arena, I might have booed them too. But <laughs> I'm not a Knicks fan. But I mean, I think my friend Danny, I think he would agree on this. I mean... Why would you cheer bad play? Like I said, Randall, I understand your frustration. Yeah, We play for a big market, especially MSG. The bright lights, everything's on you. You're the number one guy. They see you as the number one guy. They expect you to be great. That's the expectation they have. So if you do anything less than that, things are going to happen negative, like booze and stuff. And they might not like it, but it's going to happen, especially playing MSG. Definitely a little step. I don't think, you know, the fans, it's just how big markets are, you know. It's kind of, you know, in a sense, encouraging like to be like, hey, like, yeah, I was booing me, but look at me now. But I think it's just consistently the Knicks fans know, you know, he can be a lot better. Um, He's not playing yeah. to his strengths. We both agree he could be a lot better because, like, Julius Randle last year was special. I mean, this one, he's still playing okay, but he's not playing at that all-star level, MVP level he was playing last year. But like I said, I think he, I think it was overreaction. But the, like I say, playing big markets, you're going to expect that. And just to touch back on the game. Uh, RJ Bird, what, what a shot! Like I'm not gonna lie, like I only threw it up. I thought it was and it was a sailing over the backboard. It was like a, it was like <laughs> I, thought a it was away. I thought it was bricking. Yeah, hit the backboard went right. Bang, in. bang shot. We don't yeah. see those a lot. And he comes hit with the those, and it was yeah. good contested. Great it defense was. by Jason Tatum. He even fell to the ground, which is crazy. 
let's look at RJ Barrett's stat. He was four for 15 from the field, two for four the from the three, um, three for four from the free throw line. Him and Randall did miss key free throws at the end where yep. gave Jason Tatum the opportunity to tie the game. And it was only 1.5 seconds. To be honest, I said, okay, MSG, we're going to a second overtime in MSG yep. between these matchups. RJ Barrett said, hell no. We ain't not going to overtime. I'm winning this basketball game. And that, that was a great moment. When I was texting my friend, I was like, man, it was like the third quarter Knicks were rallying back. I'm like, man, I love watching basketball in MSG, just watching from TV. I wasn't physically there, but just love yeah. watching. Like the fans, it's like they're really, Knicks fans are legit. One of the realest fan base out there. There's a lot of great fan bases out there, but the Knicks, it's just different when you play in MSG. Yeah. Why do you think the Celtics are struggling so much? Do you think Coach Udoka will get fired? I'll be honest with you. I have a question to ask you. When you look at, on paper, the Knicks and Celtics, would you say they're evenly matched on talent? Or would you say the Celtics have an edge? I'd honestly say that the Celtics have a slight, like, and I say slight, I mean very slight edge. Like, because the Celtics roster, in my opinion, is not that, it's not that special. I think people were overrating them coming into the season. I was one of them. I think this roster is not that great. Jason Tatum is shaky. You know how he can perform, and I just feel like it's here or there. But I don't think this roster is as good as, as anyone thought it would be. The team isn't playing well. And I don't think Yudoka should get fired, in my opinion. I mean, the roster just is underperforming. You can't blame the coach for everything, in my opinion. We haven't heard any rumors of that happening, but a lot of times when a team's played bad, it always feels like the coach is the scapegoat. Somebody has to be blamed. But think about it. Like, when I'm watching this, when Celtics struggle so much, I mean, right now, look at their record. I mean, they are 11th in the West. They're 18-21. and 21. I was one. I got to apologize to Danny, you too, Joshua. I overrated this team a lot. Um, I put them as top four in my standings because I looked at him. Tatum, he's a wow. star. Yeah. Brown, he's a star. You got Schroeder on a steel contract. You got Marcus Smart, Robert Williams playing great basketball. A Spurs prodigy, Crow and Aduki. I hope I said his name right. Sorry about that. Like, it was just like, man, this team is built great. And like, I'm be honest, I'm really shocked. I guess I should lower my expectations. I don't think now they're a 40. Obviously, they're not a good basketball team. They're hot garbage. They're just like the Lakers right now. Um, but I wasn't expecting them to be this terrible. I mean, like, they have so much talent. And they were up 25. No excuses to win a, lose a basketball when you're up 25. No excuses. How, how did they lose this big lead? I don't even understand how this happened. You're comfortably up even 20. I think they were up even in the third quarter comfortably. How did this happen? I'm shocked. But this is a bad basketball team, no question about it. I got to apologize to you and again, once again, Danny. Julio, man, sorry about your Celtics, boy. They hot garbage. But I don't think he should be fired because think about it. When Brad Stevens was a coach, he was the scapegoat. He was the seventh yeah. seed. They're in the same position again. What is the coach going to do? This is more of a team thing. It's not the coach. The coach has a game plan. You're supposed to go out there and execute it. But you should be able to hold a 25-point lead. This is just embarrassment. But first, you shouldn't let Evan Fournier go because he does not like you guys. He does yeah. not. <laughs> he went Steph Curry, 10 for 14 from the rebound range. Great game of basketball to watch. But yeah. again, very disappointing. The Celtics, he shouldn't get fired, the coach. And this is a bad basketball team. Once again, Julio, your team is hot garbage. I think they'll make the play-in. You can't even say right now they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's too early to tell. Because they're fighting to even be in the play-in situation. Because you have teams like, let's just real quick say, you got teams like Toronto. Toronto's playing really good basketball right now. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte is a young and up-and-coming team. Washington, they have a lot of talent. The Knicks are playing good. You got Cleveland. They're no joke. They can play. Philly, Embiid has been special. I know the whole rumor with Ben Simmons, but he's been doing great. Miami, you know, we have these type of teams. And Under Boston is Atlanta. Look how yep. tough the East is this year. Indiana's yep. also on the bottom, too, right under them. This is a tough conference. I mean, I know you didn't have the Celtics this high, but I don't think you had them this low as well, right? 
Yeah, I don't think I did. So moving on to the last topic, topic number six. First, I want to say, let's go. <laughs> That's the first thing I want to say. So in the game, the Clippers and the Phoenix game, it was reported by Chris Haynes, NBA on TNT report on Los Angeles Clippers star Kawhi Leonard now ahead of his schedule in his rehab from a torn ACL with a strong possibility of a return this season. I just want to say again, let's get it. Woo! All right. So what are your reactions to this? And if Kawhi comes back this season with Paul George, how much of a threat can the Clippers be? Can they win the title this season? First, I just want to say, you know, as a Spurs fan, uh, I was there when, you know, Kawhi refused to come back for the game. You know, he, he said he was still feeling pain, one second opinion. And that, was, and, and that was in a quadricep injury, you know. I mean, those are serious, yes, but not a level of ACL tier. Partial tear, I should say. Yeah, it was a partial. So he was You're behind right. schedule then, but now he's playing for the Clippers. You partially tear your ACL. Something like that will shut players down for the season. But now he's magically ahead of schedule, and now he might return the season. Kind of interesting on that part. But just to answer the question directly, we don't know when Paul George is coming back exactly. Hopefully, it is soon. I, I don't like seeing star players injured. I hate that. And as much as, you know, I may be a bit salty about Kawhi, I don't want to see him injured. He's a top player in the league, in my opinion. I think with him back, this Clippers team is a dangerous team. Mm. Can they win a title? I don't know. That's yet to be seen. You know how they've done in the past. They've choked, uh, you know. <laughs> yes, the roster is different, but so you, I got to so see you, it to believe it. Cause, uh, but do you think they could legit win a title this season or they got no chance? This season, I mean... It'll be very tough for them. I mean, I feel like if they get their full-strength roster, they will be one of the better teams with teams like the Lakers struggling. Do you think they can beat the teams like Golden State and Phoenix? Because uh, <laughs> you had some Phoenix, strong takes Phoenix, on listen, this when listen, we were talking listen. about Phoenix, this. Phoenix, they'll put up a good fight, but there's no chance, especially with Clay coming back around the corner, there's no chance they'd be Golden State. So the answer there's is no. no they chance. definitely not winning the championship the chance, this season. The answer, my definite answer, no chance of the Clippers winning right, the championship right. this year. <laughs> None. Zero percent. No way. 0. 0.0 zilch? Yes. All right. All right. So my thoughts on it is, first of all, I'm hype. When I heard the news, I was about to cry. I was watching the Phoenix and the Clippers game, by the way. I know the Clippers lost that. They competed at a very high level. When I was watching the game, I'm like, no way. I was just so happy to see this news. And if Kawhi and Paul just come back, they're the second best team in the West. Let's make that very clear. They're better than Phoenix. They, be they went six uh... games against the Suns without Kawhi Leonard. They went six. And it took a Chris That's Paul true. historic performance true. for them to even win game six. Because game one, it was a close battle. Game two, a close battle. True. It could come down to the Paul George missed free throws and then the DeAndre Ayton, uh, the Jay Crowder lob to DeAndre Ayton. Game three, the Clippers blew them out. Double digit win. Game four, close battle. Game five, Clippers blew them out. Game six, the Suns blew them out. I know Chris Paul also missed two games. That's not, I'll take that into consideration as well. But to me, Kawhi Leonard, when you have those four guys in the court, Kawhi Leonard is the best player out of those four guys. If he's there, Phoenix Suns have no chance. I know they're a better team than last year. They just came out the finals. They're probably they're hungry to get back there. They have JaVel McGee, who's been great for them. Just signed his back, Biombo. He's been great for them. They got DeAndre Ayn. He got a chip on his shoulder. He wants that money. You know, they have a really good basketball team. But I'm looking at the West. They beat Utah without Kawhi. They can be Utah. They can be Phoenix. We don't have to talk about the Lakers. We already know our opinions on the day. Hot garbage. I mean, they definitely need Kawhi and Paul George to beat all these teams. If they are both 100%, can they win a championship team? The answer is yes, they can. But the problem okay, is, but you but, said every team except the Warriors. So okay, I do, I do believe they have a shot, though. I do, they, I a do shot. think they can dethrone With them. Play returning if they're healthy, though. With if they're healthy, returning. interesting. 
I do think even with Clay coming back and Clay's, you know, him, let's say he's even, let's say he's full strength to what he is. I do think they have a shot. Do I think they'll be the favorites? Of course not the Golden State Warriors. But the one thing I will say though, because the Clippers are right now in a battle for the play-in situation. They're 19 and 20 at this moment. It can change as time goes on. They're right now eighth in the West. They might, in my opinion, even if Kawhi, if he does come back, I think he'll come back closer to playoff time. Paul George could miss the whole season. You know, hearing good news about Paul George as well. If they both come back, they both got to be 100 because, of course, Kawhi's coming off a serious injury. The only thing I would say is that the Clippers got to avoid Golden State in the first round. We do not want to yeah. play this team in the first round. They want to play a team that's a little so Kawhi can ease through if he comes back. So the only thing is if they have to play Golden State in the first round, then I'm going to say no. But if they can avoid Golden State till the conference finals, they got a legitimate chance. Because for right now, if I look at East and the West, I only think if the Clippers are fully healthy at full strength, would they have Ty Lue, who to me is a top five basketball coach. I agree. The only team that you could legitimately say that they're not better than is Golden State in Brooklyn. Assuming Brooklyn was the full big three, right? I do believe they're better than every other team in this conference, in each conference. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion, but do they have a little bit of chance at the title? Yes. I believe they have a shot at the title, but let's see when Kawhi comes back and what their position is. But I do think they have a real shot at the title. If he comes back. Yeah, of course. They both, no, not, not just Kawhi. Both have to come back. They can't win yeah. a title just with Kawhi. They need both Kawhi and PG. So this is a topic, actually, I was going to say for my friend Danny. I know you had some strong opinions on it. He probably wants to talk about this. But this was, I think, the perfect time to bring up to him. And I know when Danny comes through on the podcast, um, he's going to violate the Clippers when he has a chance. <laughs> so don't worry, Danny. You'll still get your chance to talk about this. Uh, but I wanted to see your reaction, Joshua, because I think this is the perfect time to talk about it. So Kawhi Leonard, right? He, we know he re-signed a deal he, with the Clippers, a four-year, $176.3 million max contract. He has a player option in the third year. In the next three years, will Kawhi Leonard lead the Clippers to at least one championship? Or if not, is this championship window closed? Is it over? Do you really have to ask that? This window is shut. They have no chance. Like, zero chance. Like, their window was finished. They had their chance when they played Denver. They choked. <laughs> they choked. As funny as that was, they choked. Okay. They choked. Up 3-1, and you choked that? That was their chance. That was their chance. And then, you have another chance coming this year. Lakers aren't in it. Teams are injured. Players are dropping like flies. And right. what happens? Kawhi, Kawhi gets hurt. If he didn't get hurt, they had a shot at and him. Then, sure. And then... PG does what he does with the rest of the team, takes him to the conference finals, and they lose to the Suns. If Kawhi's there, one could argue they go to the finals. Argue? This is no discussion. One, one They're going to win, of course. There's one no could, argument here. Argue. They would they go to the sweep finals. the Phoenix Suns. They go to this the is not even an argument. But this year, even if even if I give them the benefit of the doubt that they both return, I can't see them beating the Warriors. So that's one. Okay. Next year, with teams coming back full strength, you have Jamal Murray coming back. Okay. Michael Porter. You know the GM is going to change the roster. It's not going to be the <laughs> same Lakers team. It's not going to be the same Lakers team. Somebody's getting shipped out. So the GM is going to have a stronger squad for the Lakers. Okay. Clay Thompson is coming back. Clay Thompson is going to be at full health. You have all these teams coming back. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami. I know the East All as these well. teams coming back. It's going to be even tougher Chicago next as year. well. So I can't see them making out the West for the next whoever years. Because we all know that if Denver stays healthy, I can see them winning a the ring in the next three, four years, because that team is special. I'm going to even agree with that. That team is special if that they're healthy. That team is special. They're developing well. And they have, have a shot at Golden State if they're healthy. That's how good they I are. I agree. 
They're a great, great organization, great Tony team. Tony was right on that. He said he believes the same thing in Denver, that they're a legitimate threat. And he was even telling me, like, the Lakers are going to be trash. Like, they're yeah. not going to be good this season. I was wrong. I thought they were going to win the championship. Scratching yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, this window was shut. Like, they lost their chance. They had two great chances. I think their best chance was when Kawhi got hurt. If Kawhi's not hurt, like I said, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They'd be in the finals versus the Nets. And that'd be a great series to watch. Would they win that? I don't think so. But I think this window was shut. To me, there's no chance, and I'd love to hear your take on it so I can just rebut every point you make. But I just feel like it's over. It's done. It's done. This Kawhi move was a fail. Should have stayed in San Antonio. Do I have the floor now? Go ahead. <laughs> so, of course, the question is, of course they're going to win a championship in the next three <laughs> years. Delusional. I mean, come on. <laughs> what kind of question is this? And early on, Josh, I got a little heated there when we were talking about Phoenix. So my bad. I'm sorry yeah, yeah. about that. But, I mean, I do believe they were legitimately better than Phoenix. I mean... If there's an argument, I mean, I don't know, maybe Suns fans have an argument, but there's no argument there. Anyways, uh, of course, I mean, this season, could you argue if Kawhi comes back? Could you argue legitimately they can't win this season? Yes, they're going to be lower in the standings. They're going to com- probably compete in the play-in games. In this situation, you got to assume that Kawhi and PG are 100% because they're not 100%. They're not winning a championship this season. But next season, let's go next season. You're right. Look at Denver. They're legit formidable. They could knock out the Clippers again. But I look at this Clippers team, and I look at Paul Joe. We got Ty Lue, top five as coaches in basketball. One of the best X and O coaches when it comes to making adjustments. We've seen that in the Dallas series. We've seen it in the Utah series when they didn't have Kawhi. Even seen it in the Phoenix series, how he makes adjustments. I'm looking at the West. Yeah, the Warriors are a big problem. Um, I do believe you have the Nets. They'll be tough. But I look at them. I only see two teams that are legitimately better than the Clippers when they're at full strength. The Warriors and the Nets. That is it. believe they're better than Phoenix. Utah, yes. Milwaukee, yes. All these other teams, I believe they're legitimately better than Miami's a tough outing, but they're still better than them. My bad, Tony, but it's the truth. I believe they're going to win it. There are chances to win it this season. If Kawhi and PG come back, I'll give it like a 15%. It's a little slim. They got a shot mm-hmm. at it, but it's slim. I do believe next season is their year. I expect them to win the championship. <laughs> okay, I have a question. You look at Clay. Kawhi is a top five player, right? Yeah, sure. Steph Curry is a top five player. Yeah. You could argue Paul George and Klay Thompson, in some sense, are even because they both are two-way players. Klay's a better shooter, but they're both two-way players. Yeah. Clippers have a deep roster. If they can bring back everybody, they have Nick Batum. They have Jackson Bloodsoe. Morris, who's been playing really good basketball. And also, by the way, he always playing good in Phoenix. For some reason, he got something against Phoenix. Um because I know they traded him to Detroit. But all this this matchup, and listen, they have a legitimate chance. With the Nets, their big three, it's tough. But the Clippers, the one thing I think about them, when I look at I believe they have one of the deepest benches in basketball. I look at Golden State as the deepest mm. basketball team, Miami, and I look at the Clippers when they have everybody back. They're legitimately good. Would it be a tough outing against Golden State? Yeah, but could they beat them? Because down the stretch, if I have Kawhi Leonard, I know he's a terminator. He's going to make those clutch shots. Really? So what happened versus... uh? uh... All right, that's one head. playoff. Series. Can can one guy have a bad play? What about LeBron in 2011? And wait, can and hold up, And you're saying, series? and you're saying that the Clippers are better than these teams. I, I, I believe they can beat every team on the list. I, I do believe Warriors so and what was Denver that choke, is a tough outing. That was a choke. That they just, just but Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't forget. If they played Denver in the playoffs fully healthy, Kawhi won't forget. They won't forget. They're gonna take it to them. They're gonna beat them in five to six games. Sure. Just like they, just like Utah. We already know what how I feel about Utah. That's oh. true, but I do believe that for you to say the championship window is closed, it's outrageous. That's, it's that's shut. utter blasphemous. Is it really? I've heard it. I heard it's these people say that. I'm because saying it's shut. 
In no three chance. seasons, they, they, they will win. I believe. I believe. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna even make a stronger claim. I believe Kawhi is gonna play the rest of his career with the Clippers. I believe. <laughs> so why is there a team? You're joking, bro. Hold up, hold up. I believe he's gonna play the rest of his career with the Clippers. Player right? option, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah, but I do believe he's gonna stay there. Okay, and if he does, I expect two titles, and not one. He's gonna win two in the, in LAC. Over the rest of everybody, his he's gonna win two. No matter when it happens, it's Over gonna happen. Two. He's gonna win two more with the Clippers. I don't know about that. You could argue, but I do believe I'm looking at the Ross. They have a shot at Brooklyn, and I believe they can beat these teams. And I do believe doesn't mean that the Clippers are gonna stay there. They might go through free agency in the next three seasons. I believe next season will be the Clippers year. They will win the NBA championship of 2023. <laughs> so I believe that's gonna be their year. The window's definitely not closed. I'm sorry, you know, to all the people listening. Joshua is just maybe just a salty Clippers hater, Kawhi <laughs> hater. I mean, just takes are just. I'm not. I'm being honest. There's takes are, you know, just like the Lakers. It's been hot garbage today. <laughs> but now nah, I'm just joking to Joshua. You know, you know, I'm just messing with you. But, but I do believe the Clippers legitimately. Um, their championship wins not closed. They're gonna win a championship next season, and you can book on it. Clippers tape. Let's get it. Kawhi PG. Let's come back and let's get this title. This is the end of episode 12 of the Straight Sports Podcast. We appreciate the support. It was nice to have Joshua back. It feels a little normal now. It was a little weird before without you for that last episode. You know, you can always subscribe on the Straight Sports Podcast on Instagram. We'll, you know, keep posting our new episodes when they release all that. You'll get the news. Thanks for the support. And uh, peace out. And just remember, acknowledge the Clippers. Peace. (laughs) Thanks for watching, guys. Peace.